KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Now playing on the Parker Edison Project. Even if it's maybe a predominantly black film, a lot of times you're going to be in mixed spaces and there is still different ways that different people um, consume their entertainment. That's up next on the Parker Edison Project. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. You are listening to the Parker Edison Project on KPBS, you know, with my main man, Parker Edison, P.E. the Great. <laughs> Good morning. And welcome to the season three finale of the Parker Edison Project. If you've been with me the last 11 weeks, you know the theme of this season is geopolitics. How does this ep fit? Well, geographically speaking, this ep is at the movies. Huh? See what I did there? Every ep, I get two or three questions in the DMs of the PEP on KPBS Twitter page. That's the PEP on KPBS on Twitter. Uh, of course, the number one subject is rap facts. People always want to talk about that. But the second thing I get is movie questions. Which ones do I like? Favorite genres? A lot of requests for movie recommendations. So for this ep, I'm going to answer some of those cues and get you a couple titles. So pull this up right now. I'm going right to my phone. Hold up. Give me a sec. Let me find one of these. All right. I'm going to mix up a little bit of the Twitter handles just so that, you know, these people get their little anonymity. Uh, Andy Bird 91 asks, what's the GOAT movie? GOAT means greatest of all time. I have two answers, Casablanca and Fargo. Both are short, they're unique, they're beautifully shot stories, they, they got this whole timeless quality. That's it. Let's say Jennifer with the G. Jennifer with the G asks, what's your guilty pleasure? Uh, in parentheses, something you'd be ashamed to admit. Me, mean Girls. It's Mean Girls. Mean Girls, uh, Tina Fey, uh, Amy Poehler, it's, it's, it's hysterical. I've, I've probably seen that a hundred times. Got a ton of quotables. It's so fetch. Do one more. North Carolina Z asks, what movie would I watch on Desert Island? That's a good one. Uh, 51st Dates with Adam Sandler. I might be too on the nose, but so be it. And, and F it, we'll do one more. Let's, let's say Lit Thimble asks for a movie that resonates with me. She says hers is lost in translation. She relates to feeling alien. I fully understand that. Uh, again, good question, Lit Thimble. Actually, a friend of mine just suggested something dope. So, yeah. Who are you and what do you do for a living? My name is Jacole Kitchen. I am the director of arts engagement and in-house casting at La Jolla Playhouse. Holy smokes. What does that job entail? It entails community partnerships and meeting people who want to do dope things that I have the resources to be able to put behind and make it happen. Do you like theater more than movie theaters? Two very different experiences that it is hard to say one versus the other. One, you are able to sit back and relax and just watch on the screen, whereas one, you have to be an engaged audience member and be very aware of yourself, your surroundings, and knowing that the people on the stage can see and hear you. Ooh, that's deep. 
that is absolutely deep. It is interactive in that way. It is. Even when you're not actually interacting, it's interactive in knowing they can see me. Um, Miss Kitchen, I'm asking uh, people to tell me about a film or a movie moment that really resonated with them. Do you have a, a film or movie moment that you, you recommend to people? I actually just watched a movie that I highly recommend, 10 out of 10, and it is the horror comedy The Blackening. Mm. It mm. was phenomenal. This is a satirical horror movie, um, but it is unapologetically blackity black, black, black. <laughs> and it made for a very pleasant movie going experience for this light skinned girl who has also been described as unapologetically blackity black, black, black. As, as a moviegoer, is that a rare thing for you that, that it connects with you on that level? Yes, because I think that in a lot of ways, this movie was for, by, about us. And a lot of times, even when you're in mixed spaces, when you're in the movies, and even if it's maybe a predominantly black film, a lot of times you're going to be in mixed spaces and there is still different ways that different people consume their entertainment. And there was something about being in this unapologetically black space that just allowed for more freedom. I will say I clapped out loud during the movie and not in that, oh, that was a beautiful moment, but in that, yes, <laughs> kind of clap. Um, I definitely found myself whispering to my theater going companion. This is what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. um, there was a moment. I, I, I don't want to spoil the moment for future moviegoers, but there was a moment where the audience, based on how it was presented on the film, was highly encouraged to have a musical moment together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was surprising and satisfying in ways that uh, I would not have imagined. And it was also clever and witty. And you had to be paying attention and leaning into everything or you would miss something. There was definitely a moment where I got fawed out loud and I was the only person in the theater that did. Mm -hmm. There are so many little seeds that are planted throughout the film that once you see what was cultivated from that scene, just perfection. Mm. Ah! What's the name of the movie again? The Blackening. Jacole clearly dug the viewing experience as much as the movie itself, and I understand why. Being in the same place physically with people who are in the same place as you are mentally makes it so much easier to enjoy the moment. For decades now, late night screenings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show have galvanized that kind of camaraderie. It's one of my favorite parts of the cinema experience, but everyone gets something different. For instance, I'd say my next guest is into the meaning or philosophy of the stuff he's watching. What's your name? I am Michael Tyrone Delaney. What do you do for a living, sir? So I'm a photographer and just general artist, I would say. I do a lot uh, of, uh, yeah, like editorial photography for New York Times and like GQ, that kind of stuff. How'd you get into that line of work? Well, I moved to LA in my early 20s and I was a pizza delivery guy. Kind of this culture shock of going from like the suburbs of San Diego to the mean streets of Los Angeles. <laughs> and <laughs> so I would... Uh, just walk around while I was doing my deliveries and just take photos of like all the random shit I would see. <laughs> so my boss hated me though, because I would be late from all my deliveries. I'm like, I'd be like, sorry, like, you know, I just found a piece of trash 
that looked really cool and like I had to photograph it. So I started on my iPhone and uh, one of my friends who's a really good photographer, Cinzi, she was like, you should start doing portraits of people. I really didn't know what the hell that meant, but I was like, let me try it. So I started photographing my friends and my friends' bands and stuff because I was playing music at the time. It kind of just snowballed from there. And right before the pandemic, I had my first editorial assignment um, of this rap group, Griselda. It was a shaky one because they're like just some rough dudes. Like they were yelling at me and it was a wild shoot. But I was like, okay, if I can make it through this shoot, I think I'll be fine. So I was like, I need to figure out how to become a professional photographer. And that's around the time I started shooting for New York Times. And it just snowballed from there. Yeah. So it's been like three years of doing that full time. And I love it. I love how you just mentioned Griselda. Like they're not the new Wu-Tang. Like they're not like the (laughs) most prominent rap movement. Definitely out of the Buffalo, New York area right now. They're incredible. And I love their music. They were just mean to me. We have beef, but it's all good. (laughs) That lines up. That lines up. I don't don't want Conway to be a, a super nice guy. Like that doesn't go with the rap flow to me. Like it's hard to get them all together. Like if you look online, there's not that many photos of them all together. But yeah, like one was like an hour late. The second one was two hours late. The third one was three hours late. And so it was just like me awkwardly sitting in a hotel room with them. They didn't want to talk to me. They were just like doing their own thing. But West Side Gun was like, why the fuck are we shooting at a hotel? But like they picked the location and it's like this nice ass hotel. And he's like, I'm not nice. I'm not a nice guy. He had like a videographer with him. So that footage exists somewhere of West Side Gun yelling at me. Is that one of your standout moments? Do you have a piece of work or an accomplishment that really still resonates with you? In general, it's just cool to be put in those situations. Even though it was like a little scary, it was like, okay, this is a once in a lifetime weird thing that happened. And I think, you know, shooting with people like Samuel L. Jackson, truly iconic. And yeah, getting to meet all these people that I grew up watching or listening to got to shoot with mike judge he did you know beavis and butthead and king of the hill and stuff and like i got to go to his house and hang out with him there's just like all these little special moments that are really cool and like my i know my younger self would be like what the hell like how'd you do that but then also the past year i've gotten more into photojournalism this story just came out in new york times about a dance class in a prison called words uncaged and so i got to photograph that it was just a mind-blowing experience walking into a prison first of all and then going to this dance class because basically at the beginning of it they all write something whether it's like a letter to a loved one or a poem or just whatever hearing them tell their stories and like of how they ended up in prison like most of them are lifers so like they'll probably just be there for the rest of their lives but hearing them talk about the transformation that they've gone through with being in this class and like yeah so it was beautiful i think being able to create like positive imagery of these people was really important to me because I think photography is used to subjugate these people, like especially with, you know, like mug shots or whatever. It's like, okay, they're photographing them at their lowest. And so if they go to the appeals court, it's like they're stuck in time at their lowest point. And like, you know, it doesn't show their transformation or their their growth as a person. So to be able to document them in a positive light and show that transformation was just a beautiful experience. When you point out the uh, juxtaposition of what you're doing to the mugshot, that floors me, bro, because that's wow. That is one of the ways that they kind of keep them in that stigma, freeze framed in the crime that got them put there. Like, wow, that's heavy, sir. Yeah. Even just seeing them dancing together 
together because it's like kind of modern dance. And so they're having to like, you know, touch each other, like pick each other up and like be really intimate with each other. It was just incredible to see. You can check out that piece. I'll attach it to this episode. And then on a, on a lighter segue, heard you're a movie fan. Yes, no? Absolutely. Is, do you think there's a connection? Because historically, you know, photos and movies, they go together like Forrest and Bubble Gump. Do you think there's a common factor that draws you to both? Something I've been thinking about recently is, you know, objectivity versus subjectivity in photography or filmmaking, specifically documentary filmmaking, and how it's all a big lie, pretty much. I think a lot of documentary purports itself to be like, this is the truth, but it's always, you know, framed through someone's eyes and someone's perspective. And I think it's a fine line that as artists and filmmakers, photographers, whatever, we have to, you know, be conscious of and realize that it is a lot of responsibility to make art and to, you know, try to represent something that is real. What I've been thinking about um, as far as, you know, moving into filmmaking. So that's kind of what got me into photography is I, well, I wanted to go to film school. I didn't get in because I just had straight C's. Getting into photography, I was like, okay, let me figure out how to frame a shot at least. Like, let me just figure out the basics of that. And then, yeah, that kind of just took over my life for a while. So now I'm regrouping and figuring out how to make films. So I've been writing a bunch of stuff and trying to figure out my next moves with that. I'm asking guests for a movie moment that still resonates with them. Do you personally have one? Yeah. There's this film, Burden of Dreams, which is directed by Les Blank, who's one of my favorite documentarians. He's basically documenting the making of one of Werner Herzog's films, Fitzcarraldo. And so they're filming in the jungles of Peru, I believe, because they're basically trying to get this steamboat over a mountain, which seems impossible. And so they hired local tribes to, you know, work for them. But at that time, there was like a civil war going on between these factions there. And like there was a plane crash that happened and like a bunch of the crew got badly injured. Two of the boats sank while they were filming. They lost their star, like Mick Jagger had to go back to America. Everything was going wrong. They're like battling, you know, the weather in the jungle. Basically, there's a scene where Herzog says, if I abandon this project, I'd be a man without dreams. And I don't want to live like that. I live my life or I end my life with this project. That was just so palpable because there was just all these, this confluence of terrible things happening. Like he couldn't get the funding for it. And he was just like stuck in the jungle, but he's like, I can't give up. And so for me, that resonated just because I'm like, oh yeah, we need to bleed for our art. We really need to give everything, even if we freaking die. You know, it's like to uncover this like ecstatic truth of life, we must give it all. That really resonated with me. Am I gonna have to go home and watch a freaking Warner Herzog movie again? <laughs> Michael, you're too interesting for people not to look you up. Give me a social media handle so they can find you. Yeah, I'm just at Michael Tyrone Delaney. It's just my name on Instagram. Um, yeah. I'm from the same school of thought as Michael on this. Art is the truest depiction of the human experience. It's of the utmost importance that some of us, the designated trailblazers, go to whatever lengths necessary to maintain this brilliance. These are the things that will describe us to future generations. So, even if I don't want to, the fact that I can relate to the director's dedication will make me watch Michael's recommendation. I don't want to. I'm gonna. Tell you what, let's go to break real quick so I can complain about it to C-Ray. Be right back. Stay tuned for more of the P.E.P. Hello, good listeners. My name is Adam Greenfield, and I'm the host and creator of The Written Scene Podcast. 
In it, I have in-depth and admittedly sometimes shallow conversations about writing with writers and artists of all kinds. We talk path, process, and what the artist life is like, for better or worse. So subscribe and listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Hello, my name is Trevor and I am the uh, president of Powder LA Clothing Company. And we are known for our super soft, highest grade, fleece cotton hoodies. Organic materials and no chemicals are used. They're super comfortable and we feel that our hoodie is one of the best out there. We can be found on social media, on Instagram at powder underscore LA, as well as powder-la.com. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. This is a real DJ E3SD, and now back to the PEP on KPBS. KPBS. Three years ago, in our first episode ever, I talked about the impact of the almighty Wayans family. You like that ice cream joke in Eddie Murphy's stand-up comedy classic, Delirious? Ever notice how much it sort of sounds like a Damon Wayans joke? Hmm? The Wayans and Robert Townsend had a big hand behind the scenes in that flick. But I digress. I did Six Degrees of Separate Wayans as a way of mainstreaming an observation that had been said forever at black barbecues and barbershops. Now, that idea is accepted across the board. So today, I take great pleasure in officially retiring the game segment, Six Degrees of Separate Wayans. This is very, very cool. I also said in that first episode that I got the concept for this segment because every other morning, my old roommate and I would hang out in the kitchen and play Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon. But with black people, the Wayans family kept coming up. So eventually we just changed the title. Super grateful he allowed me to use the concept and I had to hit him to have him play at least one time before I put it away forever. Brothers. Um, just so that they know, what's your name? A man of many names, but most people call me Rich. It's uh, Rich Prophet, Dick Baker, Dick Diego, uh, Richie Cunningham, Opie Taylor. I'm feeling you, Mr. Dynamite. All right, well, for the listeners who aren't familiar, this is Six Degrees of Separate Wayne's, and the uh, almighty Wayne's family, as Rich said, is so prominent in Hollywood and their roots run so deep. And every so often, I like to, to find a, a fantastic, intelligent guest and have them try and stump me with the name of somebody that I won't be able to connect to the, the, the magnificent Wayne's dynasty. And no one ever does, but maybe Rich can. Rich, give me your first name, man. I gotta throw in the stipulation as I need what you is- to find the way to Don Cheadle through Burt Reynolds. Oh, geez, that's easy. Don Cheadle is in Boogie Nights with Burt Reynolds. With Burt Reynolds. Uh, Burt Reynolds is with Adam Sandler in The Longest Yard remake. Oh, nice. Adam Sandler was on SNL where Damon Wayans was. Um, Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got another one that plays off of that. So, Who you got? Vanna White. Damn. <laughs> I was going to say, Liz, the, the whitest lady in show business. So white, her last name is White. I can think to this. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Um, okay. Vanna White. I have a feeling you're going to like this just because, you know, TV, movies. You know, you're, you like 
and we're you know we're of that vintage that particular vintage where this will hit bro i gotta i gotta tap out on this one man i gotta tap okay. out on this. who's best so star, starring as herself right vanna white was on la law la law created by mr stephen bochco uh who created nypd blue and believe it or not, Paris Barclay, director of Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking juice in the hood, directed a bunch uh, or at least a handful of episodes of NYPD Blue. So oh, from wow. Keenan to Paris to NYPD Blue to Stephen Bochco to L.A. Law to Vanna White as as herself. Sipowitz? You got Sipowitz <laughs> in there? Yeah. Dennis France, who also was on uh, Hill Street Blues, which was Stephen Bochco. I think his first big hit. Oh, man. Okay, so last one, last one, last one, third one is a charm. So Morgan Freeman, without the obvious factor of Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty, you know, uh, in living color, Morgan Freeman. Um, I just found this jewel today. Let me, let me, let me do some math real fast. I'm going, I'm going. Well, Morgan Freeman was in the movie Lean On Me, and Lean On Me uh, has Robert Guillaume in it. Uh, I'm the head in in charge. And <laughs> that is sampled by Prodigy of Mob Deep and Havoc has worked with Method Man. Method Man is not, but Capadonna from Wu-Tang is on Winter Wars on the soundtrack of Don't Be a Menace. That's a stretch, but that's my six. So check this out. Keenan Ivory and Robert Townsend starred in a bit called Rock Cops back in the day. Robert Townsend was in Meteor Man with James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones was in Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner right. was in Prince of Thieves with Morgan Freeman. My work here is done. Bruh, give my guy a round of applause. Everybody, please give me the cop. <laughs> All I did was keep uncovering another layer and another layer, another layer. It's pretty awesome. And it goes back to a, a movie called The Hollywood Shuffle. It's really cool to see how things have progressed for black people african-americans however you want to put it in modern entertainment that the family has grown so prominent so successful so prolific prolific and i mm -hmm. i love i love hollywood shuffle bro i love it the big boss rich baker <laughs> appreciate you yeah be good be great hey, brother. Yo, it's gorgeous out this piece. Uh, LE3. Yo, what's up, P-Double? What's up, my man? Oh, you're kidding me, V. Oh, you're kidding me, black man. Yo, what you, uh, G, what you doing, man? Oh, man, you know, I'm just enjoying the day and all that, man. But hey, what you up to? Where are you going? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go catch uh, Loud Mike and PJ. I'm doing this, this episode on movies, and I'm asking cats for recommendations. In fact, you ahead, bro. Hey, is there is there any movie that that has a, a scene that still moves you? Oh, man. There was a scene recently in uh, Amsterdam by Christopher Nolan with uh, um, Denzel Washington's son um, and uh, Margot Robbie when they reunited after... Uh, ah, but I'll let y'all watch that. But I'm telling you, that scene right there, when you see it, you know what I'm talking about. You know mm, what I mean? What was the name of that flick? Uh, Amsterdam. It's uh, Christopher Nolan, dude who did Batman and... Um, uh, he did Tenant. Yeah, I definitely suggest people check that out. You know what I mean? For sure. I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. He fire, he fire all the time. He fire all the time. 
But yo, what you what you working on these days? I know you always got your hands in something. Hey, yo, I told you I wanted to get up with you about that uh, that one mixtape. I remastered some of your joints and uh, also threw in some stuff with uh, um, Invisible Ponchos, uh-huh. uh, Talkin' and uh, Tall Shadow with uh, Nate Hubbard, uh-huh. uh, Emphasize, Amaratlas. They also um, definitely wanted to include the Scatterbrain tributes to... Uh, both LPSD with uh, back at you with the realness um, and uh, and sketch at your sketch with the vertical joyride to a uh, very personal friend of ours you know what I mean so uh, the name of the mixtape is uh, DHSD which stands for uh, dead homie self dope um, and uh, I was just motivated to make it because you know approaching 50 years of hip-hop and uh, everything we've we lived long enough to see a lot of our good friends pass on and whatnot and uh a lot of times they made really dope music so secretly dead homie so dope is dead homie so dope music there's a lot of our homies that have passed on that uh that made a lot of dope music and uh, i just want to raise awareness to that hey just real fast Tell him your name, bro. Uh, DJ E3, also known as the real DJ E3SD on uh, Instagram and other social media. San Diego, all the way. Hey, that's my guy. You dig? Yadada? Dude is my favorite mixtape DJ in the city. Always has been. He recommended Christopher Nolan's Amsterdam, which I got to see. Other movie wrecks were The Blackening by Tim Story. Burden of Dreams by Les Blank and I'm adding Winter's Bone by Deborah Granick and Glass Onion by Ryan Johnson. Now that should keep you busy for at least the weekend. Uh, E3's mixtape will be available on the ParkerEdisonProject.com It's full of local talent. I've been running it like the last two months and it's bona fide fire. He name checked one of the artists that caught my ear so I hit that cat up to see if we could get him and spin the track for you right now. What's your name and where you from boss? Uh, my name is Dago Fats. I'm from San Diego, California. Born and raised. Mm-hmm. Right off of Metal Men and Willie James Jones. Three blocks from Lincoln High School. Nice, nice. Uh, I want to talk to you about music, but before I do, you know, this episode is about movies and I'm asking everyone for one of their favorite movie scenes, but I'm going to flip it on you, man. What's a movie that you never liked? Brutal Nash. Terrible. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Without a shadow of a doubt. Every time somebody said bad movie, Brutal Nash. Worst movie I've ever seen. Bro, you had that one in the chamber. Like that... Okay. Top five worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm not mad at that, man. That sounds about right. I don't want to leave you hanging out there, so I'm going to put myself in the same category, and I'm going to put Will Smith's Gemini Man when he plays Tua himself. I watched it, and I didn't really watch it. So I I can say it probably was not that good of a movie since I toned out on it, but yeah. I'll get you your money back, too. Yeah. Oh, no, I I definitely didn't pay for it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was on TV. It was free. Yeah. 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 A a friend of mine, uh, DJ E3, was telling me he put together this mixtape and it features a bunch of local artists and you're one of the cats that's on there. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, Chicken Flavor. Of course. Word, word. What inspired it? Man, all I ever needed was back Chicken Flavor Robin Noodles, man. I was just talking about the struggle, man. A common struggle that I think transcends race, age, everything, you know? If you grew up in any kind of struggle, at some point you ate ramen noodles. You mind if we if we run this track right now so listeners can hear it? Yeah, man, play that. Hey, do me a favor, do an intro real fast, and I'm gonna jump into it. What's up, everybody? This is Dago Fats, and you are about to listen to Chicken Flavored by Me. All I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles. All I ever needed. 
need it was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles All I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles All I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles Sorry time Look I used to be on my last leg with my last pack. I was half fed. Money was Peter of Dankledge. I was COVID bonds, didn't have bread. I used to borrow my Wi-Fi. We was Netflix and the jail spread. But I talked smooth, so my demon friends always played cool. Gave me hell hit. Wish it was all cool, even though it wasn't. Hopped out my ways, I was so reluctant. Set on being an ender was so incumbent. Zappy's pizza and gym with my older cousin. Used to cut off my lights, but that wasn't nothing. Had the vision. You might just be on or something. That's what's missing from smoking and politicking. While we fishing, I hopped in that driver's seat and I was living old. No since the fourth grade, that's what I be doing. Threw me all shades, so I'm used to it. All that new hate that they throwing missing, like I've been here before. Cause after that rent was paid and the car notes and insurance saved, I was dead broke coming off the slave. Knew what I be getting once I walked in the store. Like, all I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles. All I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles. All I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles. All I ever needed was a pack of chicken flavor ramen noodles. Hey, thanks for stopping in. The Parker Edison Project is produced and hosted by yours truly, Parker Edison. And of course, the good people at Platform Collection. Be sure to subscribe and catch the next episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or comments, visit the Parker Edison Project or hit us on Instagram at, you know what? I don't even want to finish the, uh, the credits. Would you do me a favor? Can you finish those for me? Chris Reyes is head of audio production. Lisa Jane Morissette is operation manager, and John Decker is the associate general manager for this content. This program is made possible in part by the KBBS Explorer Content Fund. I love saying that because it reminds me of Sesame Street. Y'all stay safe out there. Hey, wait, before you go, what's your name? Idella. Thanks, Idella. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.